What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Gaming History 101, the uh, podcast about old games hosted by old people. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and uh, with me tonight is another special guest, uh, someone I'm very familiar with, but first time on the show is none other than Chip Sella. What's going on, Chip? Hey, hey Fred. What's up, man? <laughs> this is the dynamic duo for those that listen to our other podcast. Everybody's worried about what would ever happen if we just did a show, you and me. This uh, is that dangerous what, night. Yeah. What what time is the next show on all games scheduled to start? <laughs> if it's not 6 a.m., you're in trouble. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, well, thanks for being on. Um, it, it's interesting because uh, I, I didn't expect, uh, you know, I mean, you're one of those gamers who, while you appreciate uh, old school gaming, um, mm -hmm. you, you tend to not be the one to uh, replay games, if I'm correct. Not, not at all. Yeah, you have enough moving forward rather than going back. So, the shrink the shrink wrap collection is voluminous. So, <laughs> I want to get through everything once before I start going playing through things twice. Yeah, it's a lifetime away, so I think you're safe to uh, mm -hmm. just move forward with it. But um, well, I thank you for being on the show, especially because uh, tonight we're doing the show on Eco, or is it Ico? I I always called it Ico, but I think I'm mispronouncing it. I always called it Eco, so we'll one of us eco. is right. Yeah, I, most people have called it Team Eco, and that uh, bird thing in the Last Guardians called Trico, so we'll call it Eco. Yeah, but um, but yeah, and so uh, so I, I talked about uh, on on our podcast that we do together on Modern Day Games, the uh, the B team. I talked about doing Eco, and you you were like, yeah, I'd be down to do a, a retro show on it, and so I was like, cool. Oh yeah, get some it, it was them. one of the greatest PS2 games. Of that generation, um, yeah, I can see the influence uh, therein. Um, I've uh, I, I played it back then and mm -hmm. um, didn't remember too much about it. Uh, I think I did play it as a as a launch game um, because uh, you know, I mean, for those that you know, it wasn't a launch. It was it was about a year after launch. Was it? Maybe it yeah. was just near launch then. Yeah, I guess. Um, well, no, it came out September twenty fourth, two thousand and one. And I thought the PlayStation 2 came out in 2000, like right around that time. Let me double check this. But, uh, 2000. You are correct. End, end correct. of 2000. Yeah, yeah. So I am mistaken. Because I unfortunately had a PS2 at launch. And I did and, not. So. And you had that fireworks game. <laughs> yes. And that was about it. Now, here was the question. Because um, what I remember when I bought the game... Uh, was that there were basically two games on the market at the time for people to want to play uh, when this game came out. So about a year after, and this is right when the PS2 really starts to pick up steam, um, was this and Gran Turismo 3 A-Spec. Those seemed to be the two games that everyone was playing at that time. Um, and since I played neither. Yes, <laughs> I wasn't really into uh, racing games, obviously. I ended up with that. So, um, But, uh, but yeah... Um, uh, so, uh, sorry. Um, so that was, that was the experience as to when, when Eco came out, but I remember it causing major, uh, major waves when it came out, like from a positive side, lots of positive reviews. Um, people had said it, there really wasn't anything like it. And to a certain extent, that's, that's correct. I mean, it was kind of, um, you know, it would, yeah, go. 
<clears throat> See, the way I, it's, it's the first art house game, you know, Being uh, at that. on the B team, we always talk, you, you and I gush about games like uh, Journey and Papo and Yo, mm-hmm. and, and if it wasn't for Eco, none of those games would exist today, because this was the 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 first art game, I think, you know, it, I think a lot of today's indie developers owe a lot to Eco for breaking down that wall. Because a lot of that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Eco and Eco doing something different. Um, Very true. But as a revolutionary game, no, <laughs> it's a it's a goddamn escort mission. Yeah, well, and 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 again, when we get to impressions, um, <laughs> yeah. because replaying the game, it's um, and this is the benefit chip that that i'm sure you can tout more than enough times the benefit to not replaying these games is that you are allowed to um you're basically allowed to uh you know remember it as it was (laughs) as opposed to um kind of what it is now and unfortunately uh you know um the the game in my opinion doesn't hold up as well but again we'll delve more into that Mm -hmm. um but it I has the the jumping shark here. Oh no no, you're fine. Um, but it, it well, and the problem that it has is so many games have come out since then that have borrowed either a thing or two or completely from the book that this kind of paved the way of. Um, the one thing I will say, going back to what you had started with, which was uh, you know it was one of the first art house games. I would argue mm-hmm. it's one of the first art house games that went mainstream. It sold incredibly well, yeah. uh, moving. Yeah. Something like seven hundred thousand copies uh, uh, worldwide on its first release, which is uh, pretty impressive, especially for the PlayStation Two in two thousand and one. It didn't quite have you know that banking, and, and as you'll you know, I'm sure can test, um, it, it had a very all over the place kind of. Uh, it was a very all over the place kind of console, and and a lot of games. This one, I I, I would argue, falls under that veil um, that were more tech demo than game. Although this this is clearly a game. Oh, this, this is a this is a game, and the its success is totally due to word of mouth and reviewers. Yes, he gave reviews because there was no advertising budget. There was, you know, a little. I, I mean, Sony would hype it and maybe show it at a press conference or something, but you didn't see commercials for the game. Uh, in between your Saturday morning cartoons, or yeah, no, Sony treated I, this very much like they've been treating their properties as of late, yeah. <laughs> talking about them a little bit and then sending them out to die. <laughs> Only Eco did not die, so no, no, um, it's, this one, I think I heard about it from either EGM or One Up. Uh, I think it was before I was listening to podcasts, so I can't uh, say right that that's where. Uh, the word of mouth got to me, but no, the podcast boom didn't quite hit that early. But yeah, One Up was definitely writing about it. Um, yeah. They even went back to it in 2005. Uh, James Milky um, redid a Why You Should Love Eco, and I guess to a certain extent, uh, this won't be quite that kind of gush, but this will definitely be a um, Why Eco is Significant podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Just to give people a feeling as to how we're going to do it, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of it because, um, as Chip said, um, th- this actually has a lot of um, – this this game has a lot of grounding in other art house games. But unlike these other ones, um, Eco was backed by Sony. It was 
designed, developed, and paid for by Sony, um, which is kind of cool. It, to me, it, they've not lost touch with that yet. From this point on, they really stand by their art house games. Whereas I would say in PlayStation 1, it was a lot of getting behind some pretty safe bets. Crash Bandicoot, uh, Resident Evil, things like that, whenever they would go outside. And from the inside track, Sony had very little development at all, really. They were trying to find their voice. Um, but they definitely found something with uh, uh, this team here. Uh, it's a team of Sony Japan that will uh, be known as Team Eco moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so we'll talk a little bit about the history and the games that kind of, uh, pushed it. And then a lot about, uh, well, not a lot, but a, a big part of this will be Fumito Ueda. Um, Ueda is known because he was the, the creative voice behind, uh, behind Eco. And then, um, and then we'll go into the game itself. Now, just to be clear, this won't be too long because Eco is not a very long game. Uh, furthermore, I think this is a game that's, uh, best when experienced. Would you agree, Chip? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. so unfortunately there's going to be some spoilers in here about the plot, but the plot's not very dynamic, which is also why it won't take us long to go through it. But there are definitely certain areas that I wanted to talk about, and uh, we'll try to avoid talking about some of the puzzles and, and how to solve them, but it will inevitably become part of the, the topic of conversation. So, But we'll, we'll run through the game, um, especially because this, this these shows are designed uh, you know, mostly to be... Either if you've never played the game, why you should. If you don't want to play the game, this will allow you to enjoy it without playing it. And if you did play the game, this will let you go back. Um, and then we'll wrap it up with uh, kind of what we've been doing here, which is talk a little bit more about it. I've replayed the game, and I definitely have some things to say <laughs> um, that aren't too positive. But, uh, again, it's not going to be discouraging either. So, um but, uh, yeah, I, I guess without further ado, unless there's anything you want to say before we jump into the shit, uh, we no. should just jump into Eco. Let's, let's do it. All right. So, um, it uh, as we've talked about, it was uh, released in 2001. Um, weirdly enough, first the, it was first released in America. It, it was in September 24th, 2001 yeah. in North America. Uh, Japan, December 6th, 2001. And then Europe and, and, and uh, UK properties get it March 22nd, 2002. Um Game is the brainchild of Fumito Ueda. Uh, we'll talk about him in a sec. Um, he was part of a Sony Computer Entertainment uh, duly noted, quote-unquote, Team Japan. Um, and uh, from this point forward, the, I think, six to seven people on the team will be known as Team Eco. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, let's see here real quick. Um uh, anyway, I'll get to it later. I was trying to remember exactly who were the members on the team, but I'll find that in a sec. Um, but yeah, Fumeto Ueda came up with the concept for Eco in 1997. He wanted it to be a, a boy meets girl love story. Um, and his, his basic premise was that they would hold hands during their adventure, which would form a bond between them. And hopefully he could convey that to the player through some sort of gameplay mechanic. And as Chip so nicely pointed out, it is probably it's an escort of, mission. It's one of the most hated, uh, I would say mechanics in video games. Um, but I think in this case, they pulled it off rather well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some nitpicks to go with it. Um, you know, uh, uh, the character, you know, um, main character is eco. And then, um, Yorda is the uh, princess that he's, heading through the castle with and Yorda um 
she does okay at establishing her character, even though she's kind of a passive character. Um, and she doesn't seem like she's completely useless, but uh, it is rather frustrating with the uh, the lackluster combat when you really have to stand behind her and, and make sure she's okay. But, I mean, all in all, uh, I see the point. Um, now, he says that uh, the big inspiration for this game is Eric Chahi's Another World, but in America we know it better as Out of This World. Um, Chip, okay. have you ever played Out of This World? Yes, yes. Okay. on the Genesis. Yes, yes. Uh, a lot of people say the Genesis is one of the better versions. I played on the Sega CD, but again, it's it's pretty much the same game any way you play it. Um, but yeah, uh, so Another World, Outer World in Japan, and Out of This World as I know it best in mm-hmm. North America. Um, and I think the interesting thing about uh, Out of This World is that uh, that game um, not really focused on combat too much. Um, no, it was more of expo- exploration puzzle. Yeah, yeah, which which you can definitely see the roots of that um, in in uh, in Eco. Um, although Eco feels the need to throw in um, combat in, in some pretty random locations, whereas I mean, what is it? The first half of the game you basically get through with that demon creature following behind you and out of this world mm-hmm. until you finally have to confront it. Um, so otherwise you're just kind of running from it and trying to get away from it and things like that. Um, but, uh, but out of this world was, was an interesting game. It's, uh, it's something worth picking up, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a little weird, um, when you're going back to it. Um, I don't know. What, what about you, Chip? Did, did it leave any lasting impressions on you? What? Out of this world? Mm-hmm. Dude, that was what? 20 years ago? Yes, 1991, <laughs> so more than 20 years ago. Yeah, I think my buddy and I marathoned it uh, like in a 24 to 36-hour period. Ugh. Yeah, no I don't sleep. know if that no is sleep. saving. I, I think there was saving at check, you know, uh, at the end of levels, but Possibly, that was about yeah. it. I mean, it was, it was far and few between. I think we just kind of came back from the bars one night and started it, and then, you know. <laughs> finished it you know sometime sunday morning so. nice well uh and in that game i'm sure you'll attest is is probably not best uh marathoned that's definitely more of a uh take it in stride uh type of game at least in my opinion i don't know you tell me oh we had fun that weekend <laughs> but uh, but it is a good game it's it's very cool and i guess it's now on android and ios which could go either way i still think that game might require a d-pad for being effective enough but you never know um but uh but yeah and so ueda had previously worked on enemy zero in 1997 um enemy zero was uh basically what became of um d2 you know the okay, old game yeah. D, yeah. Um, the recently, um, you know, and God rest his soul, uh, recently deceased Kenji Ino, um, created Enemy Zero as what he thought D two should be, and um, when it when it went south and things like that, and he didn't get a uh, uh, software update the way he liked it on the PlayStation, he screwed them over and announced um, uh, he had announced that the sequel to D was going to be on on PlayStation and then he came out in, in a press conference and it switched to the Saturn logo and he said, you know, woo, this is gonna be on Saturn and pissed off Sony and everybody and, and Kenji Ino had been very good for that. But uh on it, uh Ueda played um one of the designers. And just in case you're like, wait, D two does exist, yes, Kenji Ino would eventually go back and through Sega make D two on the Dreamcast. 
Um, but uh, so Ueda got done with that, and that had some pretty decent visuals, especially for 1997. Uh, chip and if anybody's interested in that game i played it for uh the obscure survival horror podcast so if you look back to i think it was last october um you can find that in our feed um so uh instead he moves on and decides he's going to you know take what he knows and create eco now another thing that eco very much has a similarity with out of this world on is out of this world was one of the first you know quote unquote polygonal games um that had very kind of updated um good graphics and um i would argue that eco is very much in the same vein uh, it had extremely um high gorgeous graphics that really showed off what the playstation 2 is capable of um early on and it had a very haunting visual style i i think is the best way to put it oh, yeah, uh paint painterly is i mean am i using the am i getting my Art genres mixed up to an extent. Uh, I don't know art. Gothic. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's sort of gothic cell shaded might be the best way to put it, I think. It's, yeah, and it's got that hint of... Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting about all of it is um, everything's abandoned and dilapidated, but it doesn't strike at home. It's like, it feels like something happened here and wiped everybody out, but you don't know what and the game has absolutely no interest in telling you and i think that drives the appeal of these kind of drab and um open vacant areas um so that was that was cool and then furthermore um you always want to know the backstory about what happened there yeah yeah well and it exists yes well no it does kind of um there is a book written um for uh sorry there's a book written in japan but i think it was changed to english and i think it's on kindle right kindle is the amazon one Mm -hmm. okay and uh let me get the book the book is called eco or yeah eco kiri no shiro or castle of mist and um it's uh it's it's not necessarily um uh, 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 yeah, Viz Media did a an English translation in 2011, um, but uh, it's not canon. Uh, you know, Ueda has never accepted that it's part of the canon or anything. But it tells basically partial novelization of the game. But it starts off, and the first half of it, I think, tells the story of um, of the princess Yorda kind of how she came to be where she is so it doesn't exactly give you that background but it definitely fills you with more of the lore uh behind a, a you know pretty open and and mm-hmm. ready for the uh r- rife for the taking uh storyline so um the other thing i think we should definitely point out is uh this game um wouldn't have its atmosphere if not for audio um has very little dialogue. Um, none of it's in English or Japanese or anything that that's recognizable. Um, everyone kind of speaks a a language uh, in and of themselves. Um, I also think it's interesting that the subtitles of Yorda are oftentimes um, a form of uh, what would you call it hieroglyphics, I guess. Yeah, nonsense. I mean, all all she kind of do, does is whine. The entire time. <laughs> well, you, you, well, and, but you don't know what she says when she does talk in a lot of the cutscenes. Um, and I, I think when you play it through a second time, the the speech you can get is what I understand. But anyway, 
Yes, there we go. Okay, yeah, you get if you play it again um, in the non North American releases, you get in, uh, you get the appropriate language subtitles. Now, I'm wondering they probably put in the appropriate language subtitles in the HD collection, but since I just completed it today and did not get a chance to restart it, I can't tell people for sure. Um, but yeah, and so Eco was in development for the PlayStation One. Um, lots of things delayed it. Imagine that an Oweda game gets delayed. Um, and um, <laughs> eventually, um, here we go. He Oweda brought in people from outside the video game industry for uh, help with the game. Uh, two programmers, four artists, one designer, and then Ueda, um formed Team Eco, which is what you've got now. Um, but uh, but the game eventually decided they they decided they would take advantage of the emotion engine in the PlayStation Two and release it um, with more dynamic lighting um, and better frame rate uh, for the PlayStation 2. And that's how Eco came to be. Um, so uh, the other thing about Eco is um, is that... Uh, no, I've lost it. I don't know what I was going to say about Eco. But yeah, so so that's, that's kind of how Eco existed. So um, the one thing I wanted to point out, Chip, and I don't know if you've seen this... Um, but if you go into the chat, this is what Eco looks like everywhere but us <laughs> in North America. That's the, uh, I would argue, very artsy cover art. Oh, it's the same as the cover for the book, you, the Kindle book you just told me about. Oh, well, there you go. And then this is our lovely North American cover, which is pretty stupid <laughs> i yeah. like the cover yeah you do okay i did like the cover yeah. okay for contrast uh eco uh, okay the, it's been a while <laughs> the european japanese cover shows uh two kind of stick figures off in the distance with shadows and it kind yeah. of shows you different parts of the castle kind of erected all around them think of something very similar to i would argue like you said journey or um uh, mm. papo yo and then our version has eco kind of taking up about 40% of the front cover. There's a windmill in the background and the castle kind of towers across. And then Yorda, um, in a very vague version of her, she looks very personified in this, whereas I would argue she looks a lot more like uh, the lead character in uh, Gravity Rush, um, actually, in the game. Um, she's kind of 20% opacity in the back left corner. Um, doesn't quite harbor what's going on as much um one thing i i would say chip is th there's often this this stigma with american games is that we need everything to be aggressive and and visceral and so this game up here seems like two people kind of tottering around in the dark um for fun with friendship at their side whereas this one looks like eco's ready to bash in fucking skulls to protect whatever he holds important well, Presumably honestly, girl. if you, I don't know if that cover, <laughs> the original cover would sell in the U.S., Fred. That's true. No, no, no. I mean, I, you I look could've... at it, and maybe today, uh, if it was a downloadable title, you could get away with that as the, you know, the virtual box art. But uh, if that was, if that was uh, in your GameStop back in 2000, you wouldn't touch it. Mm -mm. You'd look right over it, and because um, this it's is, very bland. Well, and it's one of the first games, especially from a screenshot perspective, that looks very um, brown, <laughs> gray. <laughs> before that was a thing, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Trees did point out in our chat um, that uh, 
if you play the HD collection, the original Eco cover, the the Japanese one. Technically, ours is the original cover, but uh, the Japanese uh, European one is the one we see. And if you're picking it on the main screen of the HD collection, you know, um, Eco, the, ori- the the original cover uh, for Japanese is is the main screen as well. So you'll. You might not know that the goofy cover art I'm referring to, which is one Wikipedia search away, um, is actually part of the game because it was it was changed. So, um, but they get to do that now, right? Because it's been ten years, and they get to go, oh no, no, this is actually very artsy and cool, and and we're into that now, you know. <laughs> so, they have that benefit. So yes, I do agree with you, Chip. Uh, the marketing team probably on the mark, um, especially since it sold pretty well, two hundred seventy thousand copies in in the United States. Um, but where it really took it home was in Europe. Europeans really went for it. They uh, they dug it. Um, talking about lots of talk about uh, work of art, and Edge ranked it the 13th top game of 2007. And Edge is pretty rough on games, so there is that. 2007? Yeah. How did it? Hold on, hold on. I'm going back. I, I see the issue you're talking about. I'm guessing in 2007, Edge. Gave it the 13th best game of all time. Okay. okay. Is right. what I'm guessing they meant by that. Or I meant by that when I was writing it down. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So, um, so I guess we'll just get right into it uh, with the game. Um, which is, okay, so the game starts up. You see a young boy um, on, on the back of a horse with a bunch of uh, riders of... I guess I would say a medieval setting. They're, they're, they're horse-drawn, and they're, they're wearing armor and stuff. And they go into this ancient castle and kind of drop off a boy. And uh, as they do, the, the line is muttered. Um, there's really no talking. There's a lot of, you know, you hear birds chirping and the hooves beating and stuff. And it says, don't be angry with us. Uh, this is for the good of the village. And drop him kind of in this, this open area. Um, and you basically just start exploring from there. You know what I mean? I mean, it just drops you right in the thick of the shit. Um, do you remember this, Chip? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a very somber beginning to the game. Mm-hmm. Basically, they were taking Eco there to be sacrificed. Or, right. yeah, I right. mean, he's left. left for... he, he's abandoned there because something about uh, every generation, a child with horns mm-hmm. is born. Yeah, so that explains the horns. He is a random child with horns that's born, and um, once he finds Yorta, which is pretty quick, right at right at the beginning, um, yeah, he reveals that that that's a bad omen for the village, and that any child born with horns, though the one of the generation is brought out to this castle, uh, sarcophagi as as they refer to it, and and drop him off um, to be sacrificed. Yeah, to to basically die for the good of the village. So, and that's where we get started. Um, and I mean, right away, it's just kind of exploratory. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I could be wrong, Chip, but I think this is the first time where a fully realized 3D world was kind of, you know, just left open for people to explore. Now, I know a lot of people will talk about Mario 64 and things like that, but but are those really fully imagined 3D worlds? Does it does it does it clamor that way? I don't know. <laughs> I I think you have full camera control and perspective comes into play with Mario. But I don't think many games, I would, you know, the same could be argued about a lot of first-person shooters. But I don't think, this was the first time where this world looked pretty realistic. It had rules, it had physics. Everything that you think would happen does. Everything's tangible. He gets hung up on blocks. He can climb on stuff. 
you know, I, I don't know. To me, this seems like the first game of its type that could do this. Can you see? I didn't, I didn't think it was all that realized, and I kind of found it con- confining because mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you had areas, but they weren't all that open. I mean, but the, you know, the, I would say they're more you open than you think. You have the scene. But it wasn't like the entire world was. I mean, I I felt a lot freer in a game like Mario, uh, Super Mario. What was it? Not Galaxy. Whatever it was, Super 64. Mario sixty four. Uh, than in Eco because you had pretty much the area that you were in, and it would cut to the next area when you went over the the. That's you a know, good point. Also. Boundary. Although, as you progress through the game, I mean, the castle does basically open itself up to you, and and by the end, you don't you don't really have a need to, and most people don't. But yeah, I mean, you can kind of move everywhere. Yeah. Um, the other thing we should point out is, especially in this open room, um, you know, there's a bunch of cages of the other uh, horn boys <laughs> and all that stuff. Uh, you kind of see where they were all kind of trapped in there, um, but. Uh, but yeah, basically, so they, yeah, I mean, they, they basically, uh, trap him in this, this sarcophagi and then, uh, and then, um, and then he breaks free and, uh, finds, uh, Yorda. And I think, yeah, I think he just takes her and runs with her, right? She, cause he can't understand what she's saying. Right. And so off you go. <laughs> and, um, quickly you, uh, get a weapon, which is a, uh, Stick. A punk, yeah. <laughs> it's just a big stick. And um, and you learn a, a very quick lesson, which is your enemies are these little shadow creatures uh, that right now run, but they'll later learn the ability to fly and become annoying as fuck. Um, but, uh, but they take a lot of hits, <laughs> and, uh, and, and the combat's not the greatest. Um, but you you do feel that need like right off the bat to protect Yorda, and you're pretty certain she's not going to do anything um, other than and she does it. No, no. The other thing I thought was interesting though, the first thing, the first time you see, I think they're called shadow demons in the in the instruction manual. The first time you see them, I ran at them thinking I was going to be attacked by them, and you quickly learn most of the time they run past you. And go for her. And I thought that was pretty uh, impressive at the beginning. It, it's like right off the bat, it kind of promotes you wanting to protect her because you're like, oh, wait, wait, they're not going for me. They're going for her. You know, and, and I don't even know if you can die by their hands. Um, you can get knocked down, but I don't think they can kill you. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure they can't. Um, yes. Because what really yes. kills you is what? Something can kill you. Well, they, she can when they steal her and put no, her in no. the shadows. If she gets absorbed, then everybody dies. <laughs> it literally kills the whole screen. All right. Once again, this is one that you know I haven't played in probably five or six years. Right. And so, since I recently have, uh, there you go. Uh, I will <laughs> defer to you. <laughs> and there are um, there are a lot of puzzles. Um, everything's kind of. Uh, Dare I say it, Chip? Uh, everything's kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Meaning the way the camera rotates, the way you view things, the way he controls Eco, the way you move stuff, even the way she kind of is like heavy and weighty when you're carrying her through, like when mm-hmm. you're holding her hand and, and drag. I, I say dragging her because it's kind of appropriate through the uh, 
the castle. Um, she is. She's very. She. Uh, you know. It's just. It's just all kind of awkward. And uh, I don't know. Do you think that was on purpose, or did it not really feel that way when you were playing it originally? I don't remember having these issues back then, and I know for a fact that the I played the HD version just mm-hmm. now, and I know for a fact that they they kept everything intact because that's kind of what HD collections do. What I recall was there were certain areas where I was thoroughly stumped because you couldn't tell what was, you know, basically um, background you could interact with and what was just, you know, storyboard and painting. And there Mm -hmm. were one or two places where there was, I did not see anywhere for me to jump. And I, I, it was the first time I think I used YouTube videos to when I got stumped in a game and it's like, hold it. That that doesn't look like anything. You, you know, you were yeah. ju- you were jumping onto things that you would just think was uh, static background. Yes, there were a lot of times where I couldn't figure out what to do. The puzzles themselves aren't that hard, but there were a couple of times where I would be like, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do. Everything seems like a dead end, and then I would look it up mm-hmm. and find out there uh, that I just wasn't seeing the door in the room. <laughs> <laughs> or like, or the like ledge. It's a doorway because yeah the doors and the ledges yeah. kind of blend into the background very well because they had this interest in dynamic lighting the dark corners are very dark and the light corners are very light um, which works great when you're out in the light and horrible when you're in the dark <laughs> well I mean think of uh, you know you take it to today's games and like Uncharted or you know more, even more contemporary Sly Cooper uh-huh you know they they sparkle where you mm-hmm. can jump. Yes, you know, you're you know that ledge or that that cobblestone in the background, it sparkles. So you know that yes, that that is actually something you can grasp onto. Where this was almost a flat painting in some yeah. instances, and it's like, what the hell do I do? I have a gift for all of you who complain that games explain too much to mm. you. It's called eco. Because it explains nothing to you. <laughs> there are uh, three basic... Well, there's a bunch of buttons you use, actually. R1's used to call Yorda or hold her hand. And then R2, you can zoom in and look around. Um, and then triangle is jump. Uh, square is attack. Circle is to interact. And then X sometimes is to interact. And also sometimes to drop down. And that was the other thing I, I noticed, Chip, was uh, there's parts with, like, chains and there's parts with pipes. And X latches you to the pipes and circle makes you kind of swing on the chains. And I remember I didn't know I could swing on chains. Mm-hmm. I, I had to come across that accidentally when I would die over and over again trying to get somewhere. Um, and uh, Trees is also talking about, yeah, it didn't stop you from walking right off a ledge. If you were really lucky, it would tr- it would flip around and have you grab the ledge. But then if you... You know, like many are, we're prone to pressing X. That would be the command for release, and it'll let you just drop right off. <laughs> so, um, so the mechanics take a little getting used to, but uh, yeah, yeah, you get it pretty quick. Um, the other thing was saving um, was done in a very interesting way. Uh, Chip, do you remember this? There were uh, couches, and those did glow. Those were the one thing in the whole game mm-hmm. that did glow. Yep, yep. And if you, you and Yorda had to sit at the couch together, and then you could save. Right. And if you died, you went back to your last save, which can be quite a bear sometimes. 
especially uh, in the middle of the game. Surprisingly, I found the middle of this game harder than the rest of it. Um, and it, to me, it's... That. Yeah, it's really one of those games where the opening third is really good. The middle kind of gets a little grindy and disjarring. And then the end third is strong again. And I almost feel like it was because these were two tech demos that were elongated into a game. And that's kind of how they did it. They had to come up with game mechanics. I could be wrong, but that's how, how it feels. Um, so, uh, but uh, I don't know... It, if you want me to, I was going to talk about some of the areas that uh, that were kind of pronounced for me. Um, is there anything more you wanted to add before we get into, like, the specifics or anything? Go for it, man. All right. Um, so there were a couple of issues that are issues. There were a couple of areas that I really liked. Um, one, um, I believe it's known as the long haul. It's a big haul chip, and it has, like, kind of when you get in there the first time but you'll come back to this area a lot it has it's kind of like a square um and there's like a railing that that goes around the entire room Mm -hmm. and you can run around it and then down below you but you can't get to it you can't drop down there yet is a bunch of rock with like a doorway and stuff um and then there's above you there's kind of like a, a railing or a skylight or something that's that's suspended um and then um, if you go all the way across, there's a broken bridge that you can leap across, but Yorta can't follow you, I don't think, but she can run around the long way. And then um, there's also a ladder you can go down where you get to kind of the rocky other side, and there's this huge chasm in between them. And it's one of the earlier puzzles, and it's uh, it's kind of difficult. And this room, as you keep going back to it, is very difficult because the shadows where they'll grab Yorta and take her somewhere, there will always be one at the top of the, the staircase and one at the bottom of the staircase, and you know they will always go to the opposite one, and it... Even if you just start running the moment that she's taken, you pretty much got to get there right away in order to save her. Um, but uh, I just remember this puzzle because you do, you completely, you get this dilapidated room and, and throughout solving the puzzle, you slowly break away at this area. First, you're up top and when you drop, or there's a chain hanging or something, and you jump on the chain and it drops a chandelier which kind of rocks the uh, suspended bridge and then you'll later take a bomb and put it up next to the cracked pillar and blow it up and then the staircase will drop down and kind of be your bridge from you know moving around the room Um, but i remember that room and and being pretty taken aback by it Um, i also remember the main courtyard chip and this is where you'll meet the queen for the first time which is uh, yorda's mom i believe it's her mom Um, that sounds right yeah she's the one who says yorda doesn't belong you know, leaving here and anyone who stays will die and, and you'll be one of them. And she kind of gives you a warning and then moves on. Um, and uh, and then I do remember a um, couple of the the grand areas. There's a, there's a windmill and uh, you're trying to figure out where you're supposed to go and there's like water all around the windmill. And I finally, you know, figure out as I'm exploring through it that uh, the goal there is that I have to climb the windmill. And the way to do it is I have to leap onto a rotating windmill. You know what I mean? And you got to kind of time your jumps so that you land on it and then you drop off when you get up to the top. But in the meantime, you got to kind of go from, like, the inside of the windmill to the outside. Right. You know? And I just remember that being very cool. And the, the reason the water's there is if you screw up and fall, you'll land in the water and not die. Uh, because, remember, if you die, you go back multiple screens and or wherever you were when you were when you last saved. So it's always important. I don't remember um, being that bad, though. Um, I, maybe well, I just clip- didn't die that much that it wasn't that annoying to me. That's possible. The other thing is you were probably slow and patient with it, which... 
maybe. I'm probably less now than I was. But I think I was pretty patient with this because uh, it should be noted that I didn't rush through this game at the last minute like I tend to do with some of the game clubs. Mm -hmm. I actually played this game throughout the month, but I did get stuck at a, at a part, and I'll talk about it in a sec, um, uh, right before the waterfall that just kept me stuck there for days. All right. And so as I put it off, um, I did get stuck. There's There's like a portion where you literally go chip through like 40 minutes of gameplay without a couch save in between and it ends with a pretty brutal battle with um with the shadows and uh, in that main hall that i was just talking about mm -hmm. that long hall mm -hmm. and if you lose and i would always lose when there was only like one shadow left and if you die you have to replay all 40 minutes and so that was um that was kind of hell it's when you open up the west gate uh which is the first of the two gates you have to open up to get to the the end game basically um but yeah, it was it was kind of a bitch uh, for me. But uh, but yeah, all in all, the game's not too bad. Again, I really didn't like the combat in this game, so my blood pressure would kind of go up every time combat uh, was presented to me. Um, but you said you didn't remember it being that bad. No, I you know I just kind of muddled through it. My biggest problem was finding the non-existent uh, cobblestones <laughs> to jump on because that was the only thing that was the only uh, issue I ever had with the game. The combat itself, I mean, it wasn't the greatest, but, you know, it was serviceable. It mm -hmm. provided uh, the needed break in between exploratory platforming sec segments. And, you know, I guess be because of the way uh, you have to protect Yorda, mm -hmm. um, it, it was different than most combat to an extent. I would agree. I would definitely agree with that. Um, it's also, you've got to, for lack of a better term, you've got to fight defensively. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to kill something. You're trying to prevent something from attacking her. Yes. And if you don't play it that way, you will learn very quickly you're not going to succeed in this game, <laughs> I guess is what I would say. Um, but uh, uh, another thing is if the combat really is an issue for you, uh, there is a secret... There's a hidden thing, and I guess this was all the rage back in, you know, 05 or something when it was found and went mainstream on the internet chip, which was there's a, a hidden mace in the game, which is a super strong weapon with crazy range. It's got more range than the wooden planks, and it's stronger than the sword you get in the middle of the game. Okay. And where it is is, uh, and I don't know if you'll remember this as well, Chip, but there is a, an area... That's kind of like a big waterfall. You see it in the distance, and then you kind of go through this small house, and when you come out, there's like a river, like a babbling brook kind of going by with a current. And uh, you've got to shut down the waterfall so that you and Yorda can go down there and explore. Otherwise, if you fall off it, you'll you'll die. <laughs> and it was a really weird way you you would get it. Basically, you you had to do this crazy... Um, this crazy like endurance run where you were in that house and you climbed up a ladder and you ended up on like a wooden or like a metal pipe that kind of mm -hmm. strewn all the way around the room. Yeah. And you had to literally crawl around the room. And when you got to the very end, there was a window there. And when you jumped out on the window, it got you outside and there was a uh, area you could pull a lever and the gate would open up and you and, and Yorda could be you know reunited in the courtyard. Um, interestingly enough, in the UK, 
um, either in the re-release or in every version, and I don't know which one it is because I didn't live in the UK, so I didn't get a chance to play them. But apparently this is not in the original PS2 release. Um, you crawl all the way around the room on those on that pipe. Well, in the UK release and now on the HD version, there's a break in that pipe, and you can't get to the farthest w- part where the window is. And you actually pull a lever where there's like a spring device chip that like launches you up to the window, and you have to do that thing where you press the jump button at right, right at the right moment, mm-hmm. so you jump when you spring and fly way up. So it's a little different, but it's basically the same thing. But anyway, when you get out into that courtyard, there's a tree next to the lever that opens up you know, the, that room that you're just stuck in that you just got out of. And if you hit that tree like three or four times, a metal ball falls out of the tree. And if you pick that tree up and take it into that room, you notice on like the back wall between the two staircases, there's a uh, different color, like the walls different colored and it kind of rotates. You know, if you pull on one side or push on, if you push on the right side or pull on the left side, it kind of rotates in half so that there's like an entryway behind it. And in there is a uh, is is a circle. If you stand on the circle, a cup shows up at the far end, and you kind of toss the the metal ball. There's a way to like throw stuff, and if you toss the metal ball into there, you get the mace. Um, it was a huge secret that, uh, for obvious reasons, took forever for people to figure out. You know what I mean? Yes. But once they did, they were all like, "Woo! Look at this! This is crazy!" And so, of course, um, uh, one of the few things I remember about that game was somebody showing me that when I was a kid. And so I was like, yeah, I remember the mace. I got to look up where the mace is. And so once I knew where it was, I knew what to do. So I just made sure I knew the area. But it's in the waterfall area if people want to know. Uh, you can definitely look it up. Uh, that makes the combat super easy after that. So if you find yourself, like me, struggling with the combat, um, that'll make everything even again. Um, but, uh, again, I, I think the biggest thing for me, Chip, was just it was like even if you got frustrated with a puzzle or a combat section and you were dying over and over again, while as, whereas that area was frustrating, the next moment you would be brought into a new area. And even though it was all kind of the same aesthetic, it, it all felt like brand new areas that were kind of dynamic in yes, their own right. very much and so. huge sweeping views. I mean, this game... You know, and again, I'm now playing the 3D or the the HD version, so the draw distance might be better. But I, I think they really just upres the visual, the visuals, which will look amazing in 1080p. Um, but yeah, I just love those huge sweeping motions. It's like you know, <laughs> it's like uh, there would be a chopper flying around you know the castle at all times if this was a movie filming everything as they as they flew on by. Um, but. Uh, and then eventually you do come full circle. Yorta gets taken away um, at some point uh, by the queen. And then you have to go rescue her. And I do remember um, at the very end when you're going to save her, one of the creepiest things, Chip, was you end up um, kind of waking up alone and you descend this long staircase and get this power sword, uh, which looks kind of like a lightsaber. Um, and then when you come out... Uh, no, actually, it's before you do this descend. You are dropped down um, once you're separated from Yorda onto the cages of those dead bodies of the boys. And I thought yes. that was very crazy. And you're jumping on the cages in order to get to freedom. And it's just like eerie and wrong and, and cool all at the same time. Um, it's and then you, a haunting game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, for and, lack and, of a better term. And they, I mean, they did a great job of while you're always have this sense of wonder and looking forward to explore the area at the same time, this is a place where some bad shit went down. 
Yes, and and you, can, and, and you can so you always have this uh, sense of haunting or foreboding, uh, while this at the same time a sense of wonderment, which is just I mean that that's what makes this game a quote unquote classic. Yeah, well, and I and do you remember the last boss battle at all against the queen? Because that's where it all comes to a head. Yeah, I vaguely. Yeah, I mean, I really don't like the way the game kind of wraps up, but what were they going to do? Uh, again, I really think this started life as, you know, a concept tech demo, and somebody somewhere said, you need to have combat in this game or some sort of conflict, like physical conflict, and if you don't, it's not going to sell to every audience. The Japanese will band onto it, but I think they were really worried about North America. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I almost feel like that's why the combat feels a little out of place and why it's so fused in there. Um but at the very end, you come to find out that, uh, and this probably doesn't shock anybody, but the shadows are all the the horn boys trapped in the uh, trapped in the in the catacombs, you know. And you kind of come across their ma- massive grave, you know, <laughs> and they're all around Yorda, who is uh, wrapped in stone at this point. And uh, you fight like a ton of these guys. Like I really thought I was doing it wrong, and I wasn't just supposed to survive. Um, even this time through, you probably kill a hundred of these things, and then you finally get to go to the final battle with the queen. And uh, and you've got your power sword with you, and there's some mechanics. Basically, you hit her, and she throws the sword out into the room, and you got to just hide from her attacks for the perfect moment when you can grab the sword and then fight her again. Um, but once she's done for, Yorda gets somewhat released, and she realizes she's a shadow. And uh, when the queen dies, she delivers a, a pretty rough blow to you. It knocks you out cold and breaks your horns off. And then Yorda gets you into a boat and kind of pushes you ashore as the castle's starting to, like, crumble and fall apart. And then mm-hmm. you wake up on, a, on an abandoned beach. And then it was weird because if you stay for all the credits, and I did, um, you wake up. You know, and, and there's not many credits in this game, so for people who are worried, you're talking a lot less than you're used to. I mean, we're talking It's two, not Assassin's Creed. Yeah, you're talking two, three minutes. This was a small production. And you get up and you realize you can just kind of roam around. Um, but as you get closer to your goal, the camera kind of zooms in, which was kind of what I was figuring out. If I ran in one direction, the camera would start to zoom out. If I ran another one, it'd zoom in. And eventually you get to the edge of the beach, and there's Yorda. And she's back to normal and alive and this and that. And she says something that's apparently profound to you, but it's in hieroglyphics, and the game ends. And so, uh, again, I can see the draw to replay it to get those hieroglyphics, but... It was a pretty frustrating romp for me right now, and I really think I need to take some time off before I go back through it. But it is, an, it is a short game. Even um, with getting stuck and things like that, it probably took me a, a, a clocked six hours, and it probably took me more like eight total to beat the game. And uh, there are trophies for beating it in four and two hours. So apparently there are some speedrunners that can really... Damn do this game fast yeah they they do that though chip there's uh in god of war i think there's one for beating the game in like four and a half hours so um for some reason sony really clings to their speedrunners on these games um and i'm sure some people are pissed because it's the only way to get the the the, the platinum you know <laughs> so um but yeah and so i mean that's essentially the game but again just talking about what happens in it doesn't really sell it um the plot is interesting but it's not the strength of it it's it's exploring and learning all this stuff on your own so i highly recommend uh, people check it out and i don't really think we've spoiled a whole lot for it well, I, I think you can go a little further with that i mean like sure. you said the plot 
is it's hard because you know it's in hieroglyphics and spoken in gibberish um but at the same time for some reason you do form a bond with yorda and you do for you know for 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 an escort mission and as much as we hate them you really uh come to love these characters and care and despite the fact that she's pretty she's fairly worthless she does help with a few uh, doesn't she like give you a boost or something in a few scenes or something like that the only thing i remember chip is that uh if you were getting attacked by shadows and you could get her to those marked doors that she's able to open basically Mm. yeah for people who haven't played it the environments are all blocked by doors and that's the trick of every room is how do you get yorda somewhere that you can climb to that she can't and uh once she gets to the doors she opens them up if you have shadows chasing you and you can get to those doors she kills all the shadows immediately upon opening the door and that's all i remember her really doing (laughs) um but i'm sure there are some parts chip there are some parts where she like helps you push something you know or she'll help you um uh, she will never help you jump up somewhere, but she will give you. She'll throw you a bone later in the game. Like you see this gap, and you're like, "Oh fuck! How am I going to get her back across this gap?" And you jump it, and you just try calling to her. And I recommend everyone doing that. All of a sudden, he'll reach out to her, and she'll take the jump. And she almost falls, but she makes it. You know, so that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, yeah, she's pretty worthless. But you do like when I'm talking about that scene with the long haul where she kept dying. Mm-hmm. It's right after, like I said, you enter the West Gate and you're going into the next part of the game. I would say the uh, the back third of the game, or at least the back half. Um, it's a very frustrating long scenario with little to no saving, and there's a lot of places you can die because you're trying to explore and figure out what kind of jump you're supposed to make and things like that. And um, and it really got frustrating. But immediately following that, I really did see what you were talking about. Where I had I had lots of um, uh, I had lots of reasons to protect her, to stand by mm. her side, you know, and really to uh, to feel like uh, she was a, a very worthwhile character, and not so much about um, not so much with Eco, but then she gets taken and you're given, you know, kind of the, you now don't have the partner. It's finally what you wanted, mm-hmm. right? You, you don't have her to kind dragging of you back, her. dragging you yeah, down. So, so you're on your own to go save her. And it's at that moment that I really do get that, that connection with Eco, And I start going, okay, he's, he's, he's awesome too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so uh, I really like how they kind of build that up in the end. Again, it's kind of a slow burn and it's unfortunate, but it's a game, and what do you expect? And again, this was in 2001, which doesn't excuse the game for that those faults. Um, in fact, I could tear it to shreds if I wanted to. But what it does do is, again, you have to understand these things were done first. You know, it's like people who play Resident Evil 1, and they're like, why can't you move the camera? Well, they, they couldn't. It didn't happen yet. They knew they wanted to, but they couldn't do it yet. And this game takes a lot less liberties than I would say Resident Evil does to be appreciated by today's audience. Um... But uh, but make no mistake about it, it's it's old school and it's people go into it knowing it's a short game, um, kind of hoping to burn through it. And I would recommend you go into this game with some patience and some time. <laughs> well, because... well, I'm, I I never understood speed runs, and you and I, you and I are very methodic gamers. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, uh, and and one of our co-hosts, Ryan, um, I wouldn't say he's speed running it, but he tends to pace much quicker. 
Um, you know, like he talked to us this week about beating Crisis 3 in five hours. I'm currently on hour eight, and I'm near the end, but, you know, I just had to take a breather and say I'm not going to get to this right now, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, because I don't like playing games where I'm burning to the finish, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a burn-to-the-finish kind of player, um, I warn you that Eco is going to be a little frustrating for you. I can see that. Yorda is a metaphor for being married. <laughs> you're finally yes. free of her and liberated. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then you realize you got your left hand tonight, and that's it. <laughs> oh, is that the metaphor with the boys in the cages? <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> uh, I want to thank the chat. I will keep anonymity, uh, but uh, I want to thank you for that one. Um, but uh, but yeah, again. Very interesting game, and you know when you reflect on it, I will say for all the frustrations it has when you go back and talk about it, like even right now, I'm much more positive than I was kind of coming off the cusp of it at noon today. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, again, that that game in the middle, I just really got into some dredges, and I and I think it was because I just wanted to move forward with it that I was getting careless. Um, so you need to be very careful. Now, now Fred, um, just just to get a little background here you originally played it when i originally played it in 2002 ish okay so right when it came out and Mm -hmm. i probably played it in when was when was the xbox 2005 uh yes you got it so i probably played it around then um and back then i mean see i guess i i give give it more latitude than you because you know it's it's a at this point it's a 13 year old game yes uh, very much so pretty much so and the mechanics for the time uh were actually pretty decent for that type of uh, uh, that type of game i mean yes mm-hmm. they're uh, they're unforgivable today and if i played it today uh which is one of the reasons why I really don't go and do the retro stuff. <laughs> right. I, I'd, I'd be absolutely bullshit. But, um, you know, that's why playing it at the time that it came out, you know, it was almost state-of-the-art, I would say, to an extent. Oh, yeah, because a lot of people take this for granted, but especially to get specific about what you're talking about, it's the idea that um, if something's on the ground, you can probably pick it up. If something appears, if there's a box sitting there, you can manipulate it. And, you know, you and I have, have dogged on games a lot, even recently, for having things in the environment that cannot be manipulated. And so why Zombie are they use says hello. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, the other thing I like was it, it's very context sensitive. It knows that when you leap up to a cliff, Eco will grab it automatically because it knows that that's what you want to do or most likely what you want to do and you can just drop down if you don't want to. And if you call to Yorda at the edge of a cliff or somewhere you can pull her up, it will it she will come to you slowly, I'll give it that, but and and your guy reaches for her. So you know that Eco is trying to help her and that she will probably reciprocate quickly. You know what I mean? Um and stuff like that just didn't really happen yet. It really didn't. So, um, so I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot to be said for it and a lot of, uh, a lot of things to, uh, 
to be appreciated about it. Um, in the chat, Trees is asking how old does a game have to be to be retro? I argue five years or more, but there are arguments to why it should be more or less depending on the game. So it's really subjective, I guess I would say. He said, would Shadow of the Colossus be considered retro now? Yes, I, I would say Shadow of the Colossus is retro if only because it's last gen. Um, so, uh, obviously, I guess, you know, we can just mention it. Uh, we're not going to talk about Team Eco's other game, Shadow of the Colossus, um, and it's vaporware known as The Last Guardian. Um, but, uh, Shadow of the Colossus will be the next game they play, and I would say much more gamey. I've not played Shadow of the Colossus. I won't. No, I won't play it. (laughs) Okay. It's just... (laughs) 13 boss battles, you're like, fuck this, I'm out. Well, I I don't know. It's, you know, it, it borders on animal cruelty, from That's everything true. I've seen, and you know how I am about uh, pets and animals, and yes. it's just like, yes, and I respect that. Uh, I I just look at it, and I say no, and it's I'm, well, and it's interesting because it's like the antithesis of what mm-hmm. this game supports. You know, connection and and finding even in the worst of circumstances, finding a connection with somebody else, and you know, kind of giving you something to live for, not something to kill for. I guess I would say. And again, I uh, you know, uh, you know, bringing it full circle. Again, anytime you come up against an enemy, up to and including the queen, Eco is never out to kill them. He's just out to protect Yorda. Um, and I think there's something very strong for that. Whereas, you know, we won't get into it in this show, but. You know, the argument is Shadow of the Colossus, you're killing these colossi, which um, have no stake in your game against uh, what's going on. And you're killing them because it's the only way to get your girl back. Seems very, uh, especially as somebody who just watched Revenge of the Sith tonight, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, that uh, that that rings true of, uh, you know, you're, you're killing for the wrong reasons. Um and so, uh, so personal politics aside, mm-hmm. uh, that is their other game. Uh, and, and obviously they have an HD collection together. Um, I did want to speak a little bit to some of the changes that were in the two games. And I kind of talked a little bit. Um, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about the HD version. I did play a portion of this game in 3D as well, Chip. So it is a 3D game. So, um, but, uh, but there are a couple of changes in the UK version. Again, the aforementioned uh, broken pipe thing. Uh, the other thing is in that river area as well, there's a, um, I believe it was just boxes you would leap across in the American version where that river is. And remember, every time you fall in that river, you can climb out if you're really quick, but you can die at any time. And it's pretty far from a save point. Um, and now there's this like spiky um, kind of windmill thing it's not a windmill it's one of those things that goes into the water and comes out and it's got platforms i don't know what you call those but uh you've got to like time your your jump perfectly to like land on it climb up and then jump up onto a ladder and you've got about like like if you do it perfectly you barely have enough time and as we've talked about chip this game's a little clumsy yeah so it's a little hard to do (laughs) yeah um but it doesn't it doesn't ruin it but i guess that was something that was always in the uk version the uk i guess got the kind of more complicated version and again they got that remake in 2006 so it's entirely possible that's when they integrated this stuff but i'm not sure maybe if any of our european listeners want to let me know i'd, I'd appreciate to know um but uh but otherwise uh it, it is all integrated into the hd collection so i guess the quote-unquote definitive version is in the hd version um this game looks incredible uh in HD, and uh, if you play it on on a smaller screen like Chip on the uh, on the Sony uh, the little TV that we've mm-hmm. got the 3D TV, mm-hmm. um, it looks just amazing. Um, 
when you switch it to 3D, it looks more like you'd expect on like a 55 inch or something like blown up. Um, but the 3D works okay. It's very subtle. I would argue. Um, there's definitely depth, and the title screen looks amazing. Um, but uh, but in 3D, it doesn't add too much to it. And actually, I was getting a little frustrated trying to find some of these doorways and things like that. So I think in spite of itself, uh, the game sometimes fails in 3D uh, just because the darks are very hard to see uh, appropriately. So, um, But yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a very cool game, and, and it benefits from a, an HD. Um so I guess we'll talk about just uh, we'll wrap this up with some some cultural relevance. So, um, so you said when you played it, so you played it back in '05, right? Yeah. At the, at the tail end of the PS2. Yes. And you were like, what? I mean, did it blow you away? It, did this start like an interest in art house games? You know? No, not at all, really. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I thought it was. It was something different, you know, uh, we always talk about, uh, sequelitis in video games and everybody taking the safe route and all of that. And here was something yes. that was not, it wasn't a sequel. It, you know, I, I at, at the end of the day, when you look back at it, it was a goddamn escort mission. But for some reason, that was, yeah. it was, uh, I guess what was innovative about it was it was an escort mission that didn't suck might be mm -hmm. the best way to put it. But in, yeah. And I also argue, yeah, like it, despite being an escort mission, it's actually okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I mean, I think it's biggest rel relevance was showing that, uh, you could make a successful game that didn't have, uh, a semicolon or a crooked number after the title and actually make money and people would buy it and do something that was out of the box and have it be uh, commercially successful. I didn't realize, I, th I mean, it took, they may have eventually made money, but it took a long time for word to get out on Eco. Yes, yes, it did. It was a, it was definitely a slow burn. Um, I believe uh, I don't really know. Uh, game rankings actually, Chip gave it a ninety percent. Mm -hmm. Metacritic has it at a ninety. Um, but of course, a lot of this is those reviewers going back and doing the HD collection. Um, but yeah, I want to say it was probably, um, probably more like at least a year. That's probably where I heard what it did. It, and it did not get a greatest hits release. It should be noted. Um, I think it did it in UK, which is, you know, that re-release we were talking about in 05. Um, but, uh, but you know, like this did not, or 06, I'm sorry. Um, but this did not get, yeah, it didn't quite go as far as people would guess. Um, but you know what? Uh, to be honest with you, it, it did get um, a pretty decent amount of praise. Um, in 2002, um, GDC gave it um, excellence in level design, excellence in visual arts, and game innovation spotlight. Also, the Interactive Achievement Awards by the Academy of Arts and Sciences gave it uh, Best Game for Art Direction, Character or Story Development, and it was nominated for Game of the Year, Game Design, Level Design, and Sound Design, although it did not win. And just to know what it was up against that year, it was up against Halo, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, and Grand Theft Auto 3. Um, which all fit the bill of exactly what you were talking about. This was against the grain of. Um, so it's pretty impressive to see that it won against some of these things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Um, because uh, I would I would argue that they all kind of, you know, all these games kind of to a certain extent have things in common with Eco. They just don't implement them in the same way. Um, and furthermore, um, Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess, Metal Gear Solid Three, Snake Eater, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. All of the uh, and and Mark Laidlow, scriptwriter of the Half Life series, have all said that they have taken you know uh, part points from uh, from Eco in in how they designed that game. So those are some big names, you know, Jordan Mechner, Hideo Kojima, Eiji Anomeda. These are all big guys who uh, who make big games who are who are borrowing from it. Um, and of course, Chip, this may not shock you, but uh, Vander Caballero, um, the lead designer of Papo Eo. Uh, said that uh, he definitely um, was inspired by Eco to make his game, um, and you can you can see, see that. definitely can see yeah. they're they're cut from the same blood. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, again, the game was very influ- influential. Um, it is kind of artsy. It is slow paced. It is different from what you're expecting. Um, and for that, that's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. And so, I mean, take it. In stride as to whether or not uh, it's worthwhile, um, but I definitely see why um, Derek, who who did the deciding vote, I don't know if you know this, Chip. We voted for what should win, and this went up against a couple other games, and there was a tie with this and um, Newtopia for the TurboGrafx-16, which has been re-released on Virtual Console and PSN. And uh, Derek was our tiebreaker because he was on there the night we had the tie, so uh, he chose this one. He said this was uh, more influential to him, so. Um, and probably easier to find <laughs> for people who want to play for the game club. So, um, but yeah, I mean that's Eco, and you know what? Sony hasn't forgotten about Eco in the least because that is why Team Eco and Ueda are given forever to make their next games. Um, obviously, they would garner the uh, the tail, the far tail end of the PS2 with um, with uh, Shadow of the Colossus, and then now the Last Guardian, which seems to be almost. You know, we don't really know what it's about, but it seems to be kind of a hybrid between Eco and maybe a more traditional game. But, you know, I, I can't tell for sure. I have no... I mean, all I know is it has this cool tiger platypus thing. Or Griffin thing. <laughs> Named Trico, obviously, uh, ironically enough. So, But I've heard that's actually going to be a PS4 launch title, maybe. If they're smart, I'm sure it is. Um, and remember, that's that's kind of par for the course. You know, um, technically speaking, Shadow of the Colossus was originally slated to be a PS3 game um, because of, uh, you know, hardware stuff. But Cell was so hard to adapt for, they thought it was best to just release it on PS2 at the tail end. They did the same with God of War 2. Um, and uh, and Eco was originally going to be a PlayStation One game, so I mean this makes sense with with games that are trying to kind of push the veil, so to speak. So I could see that, but um, I don't know. So that's Eco, uh, great game, very influential. Again, it's got its ups and downs. Uh, it was a little frustrating for me, but if you take it slow and take it in stride, uh, it has a lot more to offer. Um, in something that unfortunately isn't as innovative now as it was back then, but I think it can still be played and appreciated by contemporary gamers, no problem. Oh, definitely. Um, it stands. It stands against time uh, without much of a caveat. Definitely. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anything else you want to say about it, Chip? No, I think you. I think we've covered it pretty well, Fred. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, our game clubs are pretty, pretty easy going. 
So, all right, well, that's it for the game club. Um, in a sec, Chip, I'll let you, I guess, plug probably stuff that we've got in common. But uh, <laughs> um, but I would like to remind everybody that it is Shmup Appreciation Month on, uh, on uh, Gaming History 101. So for the love of the shmups, um, we got stuff coming up. I just wrote an article on the top five games worth importing for that have never been released anywhere outside of Japan in any way, shape, or form. Um, so definitely check that out. And uh, and for that, uh, this next month's game club that we're going to do at the beginning of, uh, of uh, April, uh, but it'll be March's game club, is uh, Salamander or Life Force. They're both basically the same game. You're, you're tasked to play any and or all versions of Salamander and or Life Force, which we will be discussing all of them on our next game club. Um, and then I don't know, Chip... I'm almost thinking about doing Echo the Dolphin because of everyone's fucking jokes about uh, that when I was talking about Eco. Do we want to do Echo the Dolphin for, for the next game club after that? Is Echo fun? No, it really isn't. I mean, it's just, I mean, but Fred, uh, we derive fun differently. And, you know, going back and playing, you know, that's almost like playing that, uh, what is it, that killer dolphin game that's on ios and flash or whatever um i wouldn't know but <laughs> yeah i mean i just i mean i played it back in the day but you know i don't know yeah yeah no you know i i almost think that uh you know a better suited game would be something like uh like jaws unleashed huh there you go <laughs> um but uh, Jaws, meet, but fear Jaws meets Eco would be the game to play. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> Tree says I will play no versions of those games. I don't know if he's talking about uh, Life Force slash Salamander or if he's talking about uh, I played Life Force. Echo. Life Force is fun Life on the Force. NES. It's it's a, it's a great game. Um, but uh, all right, well. I don't know what the next game's going to be, so we'll talk about it. I can promise you it will not, after our conversation, be Jaws Unleashed or uh, Echo the Dolphin. Um, it will be something else, though. Um, and so we'll get that figured out. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, so we'll be moving on with that. Uh, Chip, where can we find you normally? Normally, you can find me Thursday nights right here on allgames.com at 9 o'clock with Fred and our other co-hosts, Chris, Snorin, and Jeff. Um <laughs> Inside joke for those that haven't caught the show, but uh, anyways, uh, we are the B Team Podcast, and like I said, we're live Thursday nights at nine right here on AllGames.com. And uh, while we do touch on retro from time to time, it's more uh, current games, tech, pop culture. Yes, yes, and it proves that I do, in fact, play modern day yes. games quite yes, frequently. It does. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, so uh, his plug's my plug. Uh, come check us out at the B Team. Um, it was surprising in the early days of uh, Gaming History 101. A lot of people didn't know there was there that, that I was on on that show as well. So let's uh, I'll start working on the link of that. A lot of B Teamers know that I'm on Gaming History 101, not the other way around. So um, all right, well without further ado, thank you for uh, coming out and joining me, Chip. Um, you can catch us uh, all or every Sunday night live on All Games dot com at 11 p.m. because old guys uh, stay up and drink beer on Sunday nights because we uh, fear the end of the weekend, and um, and then you can also catch my show or 
my writings, all of our articles, videos, gameplay stuff, uh, and of course the podcast at uh, GamingHistory101.com. So definitely check that out. And uh, I did want to say one real quick piece of house cleaning. Um, I was talking about sponsorships and different things like that a couple episodes back. Disregard those. I've decided to remain advertising free and moving forward, never bring it up again. Uh, so with that, I would say have a good week. Next week, we are coming back to talk about treasure games. So um, mostly shmups, but treasure also has a decent library of non-shmups, and we will be talking all about them next week. So come check us out, all right? Have a good week.